Hello and welcome to a new episode of the CTO Show with Mehmet. I'm your host, Mehmet. And as you know, in each episode, we explore different topics, trends, insights, strategies in areas like digital transformation, emerging techs, and startups, entrepreneurships. And as you know, sometimes I would have guests with me who are thought leaders in the areas of entrepreneurship and technology. And today I'm very thrilled to have with me today from New York City, Benjamin Friedman, who joined me to talk more about how to scale a startup and take it to the next level. So first of all, thank you very much, Benjamin, for being with me on the show today. If you can just uh, give a little bit of introduction about yourself and what you what you do. Sure. Thanks so much, Mehmet, for having me here. Glad to talk with you and uh, your audience. Uh, so I've been working with uh, scaling startups over 20 years. Most of that time has been as an employee, but recently as a consultant, uh, I've worked with a number of technology startups. Uh, I've also uh, consulted for a number of uh, startups working with uh, technology companies as their customers, a B2B uh, setup. And uh, I've been really on this journey to figure out the best way to scale and grow businesses, uh, thinking about how to do that efficiently, quickly, uh, my foundation was business operations and finance, uh, but being in the startup world, I found myself across uh, different areas of leadership. So looking at sales, marketing, uh, any aspects of client service, really thinking about how holistically to uh, grow the company so that everyone's working together and you're moving past the stage of a bunch of people working together in a room and starting to think more like a company so that you can grow as quickly as possible. That's cool. Is there any specific vertical you focus on or you work with any, any kind of startup? So I'm industry agnostic. Uh, for your audience, uh, one of my gigs was at a, a B2B SaaS company that did data analytics. I was there for three years as CFO. Uh, I put in a lot of infrastructure on the business operations and finance side. Uh, then I left as the next fundraise was really applied to developing the product. And a couple of years after that, uh, they were acquired by uh, VIP WordPress, uh, part of Automatic. Uh, so that was a nice success story. Okay, that's cool. Now, from your experience, Benjamin, what is the foundation, I would say, that a company should be built on? So then we can tell them, okay, guys, I think... We, you are ready to go to the next phase. What is this foundation, especially when you would work with, with a client? Sure. So the way I think about this might be a little uh, different than uh, some of your audience, but I always want to focus in on first, what is the founder problem fit? Is this person so consumed with solving a problem that no matter what happens, they will continue on their journey? And because you and I know a lot of things will happen along the way. Uh, the market will change, the investors might change, the team might change, but the founder and the problem they're trying to serve, uh, solve rather, are the constant that will be the throughput in their journey. Uh, so I look at that and then I say, okay, how does that transform into vision and values? How are they gonna consistently strive to tackle that problem? And then from there, it's starting to look at the pieces necessary in order to solve the problem. Uh, one of the biggest challenges for founders is knowing where to apply limited resources. And so I want to see that the founder has thought about how to apply the right pieces 
to immediately starting to solve that problem. Yes, you're going to need all the different functional areas I talked about before, but what are the two or three things you're looking to do immediately in order to demonstrate that you can get traction on solving this problem and generate product market fit? Okay. Would that be like in the area of um, placing the right resources, like sales, marketing, and, you know, market, uh, I would say, analysis, or is it like more into just overall structuring and funding for, for the company? I mean, the area that you try to help your uh, clients with. Yes. So by the time I'm working with most of my clients, they've attained some product market or service market fit. And now they're looking to take a, a fundraise or they're looking to take their revenues and really apply them to reach the next level. So I'm talking with the founder and trying to decide where are uh, their areas of strength and where are their areas of weakness so I can supplement their work. And one thing that I found in my, uh, my own journey is that a lot of times founders who are amazing at getting this company off the ground and making something happen at going from zero to one, or in this case, zero to one million, they then have to be a completely different person in order to scale the company to the next level. And some founders can do that. Uh, it's a distinct skill set, which some people are uh, Renaissance leaders, and they can switch gears and do things very differently. But for most founders, they're much more excited about the product market fit or business development or the next fundraise. And they would rather uh, outsource to some extent, uh, scaling the company and building the infrastructure. And that's where I partner with founders and say, okay, you do what you're best at and bring me in to focus on some of the other areas. That's cool. Now, another fact that everyone knows that, and it's common, it's not only in the US because I follow the you know, tech uh, companies in the US, but I've seen it in every single market. And even here in, in, the, in the MENA region or Middle East region, we know for a fact that approximately we can say only 10% of startups will succeed, right? What do you think is the common mistake that founders, they do that you have seen it happening multi multiple times across you know, your, your career? So what are your takes on this and maybe some advices to new founders? Yes, certainly. Uh, I think one thing is that founders have to really be curious about how to do uh, their role better and how to approach the market better. So on the one hand, you're going to get a lot of feedback and you're going to have to ignore it in order to keep pushing forward. But on the other hand, you do have to be open to certain advisors, certain leaders, uh, certain facts and trends in the market and take that information into account. And it's a fine line, right? Uh, perseverance and uh, understanding hit that middle where some people are saying don't do it and some people are saying do it. Um, but as a founder, a lot of people run into trouble where they just keep pushing and they follow the sunk cost uh, cognitive bias and decide they're just going to keep going despite a preponderance of evidence. Uh, number two is that ability to shift. Uh, I mentioned earlier that nobody, uh, almost nobody is perfect all around. Uh, perhaps uh, there is somebody out there. Um, but the same person who's great at fundraising, at sales, at product development, uh, at understanding the technology, at managing teams is highly unlikely. And so the founder has to recognize where to find people to complement them and support those aspects of the business. Otherwise, you'll see a company grow and fall pretty quickly. Uh, and then I think the third area is really not recognizing how 
to delegate to the team around you and find the areas where they need to uh, level up as quickly as you. A lot of people think of delegation as like, here, you do this. Instead, I think delegation is a lot of work on the founder. Uh, the leader has to sit there and say, okay, what is the destination we're trying to reach? Let me give them some pointers about staying on their lane and not running into too much trouble, but let me avoid setting the path. Uh, if you picture a mountain, uh, we're trying to get to the top of that mountain. You don't tell people this is the exact path to take. You say, there's the top of the mountain. Beware of the rocks falling over here and otherwise come to me as needed in order to reach the mountain of your own because I have another mountain I have to scale. Yeah, I agree with you on, on this point. Now this, you know, let me think about the next question. And it is sometimes we see this happening because there is kind of a lack of leadership skills with the founders. Like, what do you think are, you know, the characteristics or the personality that the founder himself or herself should have so they can be, I would say, agile to, to do these changes? Yeah, so I think two important ones come back to feedback. Uh, one is feedback from peers and advisors. Uh, you really need to surround yourself with a handful of people who will not just be cheerleaders, but they will actually sit there and tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And that's very important. Uh, it's not necessarily people you want to hang out and, and have a conversation with outside of work, but you want to talk to these people from time to time and say, hey, I want your honest opinion. And they're going to tell you what's wrong with you and your ideas. And you need to be open to that feedback. Uh, the second type, is talking with your team and with your uh, eventual customers. You know, if you don't have the product out there yet, your future customers, if you do, you have to hone in on your existing customers. And again, you have to ask the hard questions. Uh, what's good about this, but also what will make it better? Uh, what problems are you seeing this product solve? Uh, what is it that we could do that would make your life easier? And really constantly take in that feedback and be able to sift through it and find the best pieces of evidence because you will change. You will change as a leader. Your product and team will change over time. And so you have to be constantly open to the feedback as the markets and the customers evolve. You want to do the same. Yeah. Now, again, just brought the second question or the next question from my side. Now, while the company is on this journey to grow, whether it's from zero to one, one to 10 or hundred, or even to become a unicorn, we hear a lot about, you know, like founders being like burned out and, you know, like a lot of pressure. So how I would say founders should be prepared if you would like to call it kind of a resiliency to this um, pressure and avoid a, a, a burnout. Uh, I love that question. And I, the topic of resiliency is so important. Uh, I mentioned earlier that the founder problem fit is essential to a successful journey. The other thing we have to recognize is that the other constant in that journey is ourselves. And so making sure that we are taking care of ourselves for the long term. Uh, you asked earlier about some fumbles. And sometimes when founders are just thinking about success, their only goal is to make money. They lose track of the day-to-day, -day, and that includes taking care of ourselves. Uh, so that that end, I think you have to look at it uh, physically, mentally, uh, and emotionally. And so physically, it's making sure you exercise, your diet, your sleep, uh, 
a lot of times we're tempted to think, oh, if I work on this one more hour, uh, I'll get so much further. But that becomes detrimental to your long-term goals. Uh, mentally, it's making sure that you have people you can talk to uh, and work through some of the problems and just recognize you're going to be bad days for no reason and have an outlet for that. Uh, and then emotionally, it's being able to channel uh, your passion productively. But if it becomes too much, then again, it's being able to seek help. Sometimes founders get professional help, uh, and that ends up allowing them to run the marathon and reach the finish line. Yeah, it's very informative. Now, because you, you have this long experience also, Benjamin, like even if you cannot name the company name, I mean, but um, what would be the best scenario, you know, of, of something that you have seen where every single right step was, was done? Like, do you have anything in mind on that? Sure. So I once worked with an e-commerce company and they came up with a new way uh, to make payments uh, online. And they started very small. In fact, the founder was doing consulting and then he brought in a co-founder and they started growing. And all along the way, there were several things in that journey that made a lot of sense to me. Uh, so one was uh, the founders were willing to experiment, but mitigated the risk. So they'd say, okay, we're gonna put a lot of money towards this experiment. We'll try a new product. We'll try uh, reaching out to a new region, uh, new demographic. We'll spend X number of dollars but well, we're not going to go crazy with this experiment. And if it doesn't work, then we're going to stop running the experiment. Uh, the second thing that I really admired was their recruiting strategy. Uh, and I found that the third co-founder in quotes was a person in charge of recruiting because she did an absolutely incredible job of bringing people into the company who were more uh, uh, intense uh, and knowledgeable and, and eager to solve these problems than even the existing workforce and everybody was already wound up. Uh, so what she did is she found out what was the position we're looking for, describe an ideal employee for that role. I'm gonna bring in some people who meet minimum criteria and she would test them on standardized levels and say, okay, these people are capable of the job. Now you talk to them and see if they'll be a great fit in the company. And then the last piece of that is we did recruiting in rounds. So we would bring in a bunch of people and then we would rest for four to six months, let those people get acclimated and then bring in the next round of people. And that was super helpful because it gave everyone a chance uh, to ramp up, to acclimate, find out if somebody's not working out, we can adjust and then bring on the rest of the people instead of, you know, we see a lot of technology companies now that brought in a ton of people. And now of course they're in a position where they have to let go a lot of them because they weren't thinking it through on a regular basis. Yeah, that's. Uh, really insightful, I would say. Um, the question I want to ask you now, if you allow me, is a lot of times, you know, people think that raising funds is a destiny, right? And I see this a lot of, so actually I covered this in a previous episode by myself. And you see like people only knows like, okay, we're going to go to a venture capitalist, you know, get some money. But while sometimes Maybe it, it's not the good time to do that, and especially with all the, you know, macroeconomics that's happening currently. So do you think like it's a destiny for every startup at some stage to get some funds? Uh, I love this question as well. And it's funny, I'm going to start with an analogy. Uh, I don't know uh, if everyone in the audience is married, but I think people will get it. A lot of people see a wedding 
uh, as the destiny in a relationship. Uh, two people meet, they fall in love, and they get married. And that's where the story ends. Uh, but many of us who've been around for a while know that that is just one of many milestones in a relationship that hopefully will last a long time. And those people we see who are happy, uh, happy enough that they stay together, they support each other for a long time, the wedding has nothing to do with that. Fundraising is the same thing. Fundraising is like a small wedding. Uh, a bunch of people raise some money. There's a celebration. There's a bunch of articles. And it may be a chance to grow the company. It may be part of the journey. But in and of itself, it is not a celebration. And for some founders, and maybe uh, this is implied in your question, for some founders, uh, fundraising is the exact wrong thing to do. And I would say, here's the thing. You have to think about the trade-offs. Uh, immediately, you're trading off equity for cash. If you think that that cash is going to exponentially drive your journey, it's really going to help you solve the problem that much faster. It's going to be part of your solution. Then great, you know, think about it, go forward. If you're doing it because you feel like having that money will solve the problem, then you should rethink what you're doing there. Uh, again, if you're focused on solving the problem, you're coming up with a minimum viable product. You're putting it out there for people to use. You're seeing if this has an impact in solving the problem. Then once you've gotten that fit, you can say, okay, I'll draw in money because now I want to exponentially solve the problem that I know I can solve in this particular uh, small subset. Then it makes a lot of sense. Uh, the final point is that you're bringing on investors into your journey. Those people are going to have strong opinions and you have to be ready to manage that. If they're strategic investors who are going to help you in the journey, great, that's awesome. If they're people with money who are going to make your life more difficult in solving that problem, then that's a downside that you really need to consider. That's cool. So before we come to the end, I, I know that you have put some um, handbook called Scale Reach Your Peak, right? And you've put like multiple articles over there. Can you like tell us a little bit about this handbook and, you know, What's the context of of uh, of the topics you covered there? Sure, thanks so much. Uh, yes, I put together the book after about three years of writing. Uh, it's really I started the process wrestling with one topic after another: uh, customer success, uh, product market fit, uh, fundraising. Like we talked about, these are all separate uh, challenges that I've run into myself and with uh, clients. And I started to write about each one, and then I realized, okay, there's a theme here. Founders who have gotten some traction are now being asked questions about running a business. So before they were building a product, and now they're running a business. And this book looks at all the different challenges that those founders may face, and it does it in a very modular way. So if you have a particular question about, say, public relations, you can go and read for five minutes. Uh, learn from the research I did and add it into the book. It's a concise uh, piece on public relations. And you can take that with you. And then you can go back to the book in three months and six months. As you start to think about another challenge, it gives you a framework for how to start to resolve that and some immediate uh, next steps for you to bring on. Great. That's uh, really also like, uh, I would believe it will be very helpful. Before we close like uh, to, for today, Benjamin, uh, anything else you want to add, any advice you want to say, and also want to ask you like where people can find more about, uh, because my audience is worldwide, by the way. So, <laughs> so if anyone wants to get in touch with. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, I would say my final piece of advice, uh, and this is covered a lot in the book, is really hone in on yourself, what you want out of this journey, what you can bring to this journey. Uh, there are some ways that we can grow and develop, and there are other ways where we're going to need people to support us. Uh, I'm bringing on people to support me and my clients all the time. I've worked with fractional CTOs and, and other experts because I know my limits, right? Uh, we have to think about that as we're going on this entrepreneurial journey. Uh, and then to your other question, uh, you can visit uh, www.webuildscalegrow.com. You can see a lot of my work there. And then I'm posting on a regular basis on LinkedIn. That's great. I will make sure that I will put this into uh, episode description and also a link for your uh, LinkedIn profile. Well, that's uh, really very insightful, very, I would say, eye-opening. Um, conversation, I hope, for today for my audience, whether they are listening to the podcast or watching on YouTube. Um, thank you very much, Benjamin, for your time uh, today and I appreciate it. Uh, for my audience, thank you for tuning in. As usual, if you have any feedback about this episode or about the show in general, you can get in touch with me either by email or on LinkedIn or Twitter. I would be more than happy to discuss that with you. If you want to come to the show and join me like what Benjamin did today, so I'd be also more than happy to discuss that with you. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel and also to the podcast, which is available on all your podcast platform. Thank you very much. And until we meet next time.